Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays and fantastic New Year's. I spent my New Year down in the great state of Florida. Watched uh, the college football playoff games down there all day New Year's Eve and then kicked back on my couch and watched the New Year celebrations from New York and Nashville on television. I got to tell you, guys at Fox News did a fantastic job at the Wild Horse Saloon and I thought Nashville really showed out. They also had a big show going on on CBS compared to New York City where everybody was wearing masks and you had people getting engaged and making out in Times Square while wearing masks. I mean, all of it is insanity. Team reality continues to add more and more supporters. We got a ton to dive into. I am back for the next couple of weeks uh, here home in Nashville where the snow was falling last night in a big way when I landed coming back from Florida. Uh, And there's still, I believe, snow on the ground right now. I've been doing the radio show and my TV shows upstairs, so I haven't seen them all. But I'll be live in about an hour on uh, Fox Bet Live. Then I'll be on Sean Hannity tonight. All that rolling in your direction. But we start with... New Year's Eve, SEC domination. Alabama destroyed Cincinnati, 21-point win, and simultaneously Georgia took it to Michigan. I thought this game was summed up early when Georgia came out and went up whatever it was, 27-3, when they shot into the crowd in Miami down in Hard Rock Stadium and you saw the band for Michigan wearing masks inside of the stadium, outdoors in Miami. I said Georgia by 90. Your boy was white hot through the college football playoffs, went 8-2, and two, uh, only losses in Tennessee, and then I lost the over in the Ole Miss game against Baylor, and I think that might have been different if Matt Corral hadn't gotten injured. But Alabama and Georgia dominate. We've got another All-SEC Championship game a week from today up in Indianapolis. We'll be talking about that quite a bit. I'm probably making a mistake, but I am betting on Georgia to win this game and win their first national title since 1980. I think the Bulldogs are better. And I know you can point to the SEC Championship game and the way that Alabama dominated there, 41-24. I was present. But if you remember... Georgia was up 10-0, and then we had a big hit, big play. Uh, Bryce Young hits Jamison Williams for a touchdown, and from there, frankly, the Bulldogs kind of fell apart. In the second quarter, they gave up more points in that quarter alone than they had in the entirety of the season in any game. I think Georgia is the team that we've seen for 13 out of the 14 weeks. They dominated in the other 13 weeks defensively. I'm not sold still on Alabama's offense. I don't think they'll be able to run the, uh, the run the ball like they did against Cincinnati. And I think ultimately Georgia finds a way to win, gets their first national title since 1980. Bulldogs were out to a minus two and a half point favorite. You can go to fanduel.com slash clay right now. 30 to one, pick the winner. bet on either Georgia or Alabama turns into $150. All you have to do is pick the winner. Go to FanDuel.com slash Clay. Uh, How about my Titans? The Titans have surged to the number one seed right now. All my Titans have to do is win on the road in Houston against the woeful Texans 
and we will have locked up the number one seed would mean we only have to win two games at home in order to go to the Super Bowl out in LA. And as I told you guys on New Year's morning, Derrick Henry working out at the Titans facility, no limp, working out, ready to roll. I think either this week or next week, the Titans will have Derrick Henry back and they will be officially a go with Derrick Henry. Now, Titans can beat the Texans, get to 12-5, and give two more weeks for Derrick Henry to recover, and then in that divisional round playoff game in Nashville, Titans would get a chance to bring back Derrick Henry. Couple of things worth analyzing here. Titans have twice been the overall number one seed in the NFL playoffs in the AFC, lost to the Baltimore Ravens both games. Both divisional style games would be the biggest sporting event in the city of Nashville's history if we could host the AFC Championship game. I've already got my playoff tickets, already bought them, thought we might have a wild card game, thought we might have a divisional game. After the way that that crazy Bengals and Chiefs game went, all sorts of wild officiating decisions, I thought, watching that game, uh, Jamar Chase was uh, absolutely uncoverable. I don't know why time after time the Chiefs kept putting him in one-on-one coverage that allowed the success to happen there uh, like they had. Jamar Chase, remember the Panay Sewell versus Jamar Chase debate? No longer any debate there at all. Uh, The uh, Bengals come back from a 28-14 deficit to win. uh, And look, it's a crazy ending. And uh, I think the Bengals were very fortunate But right now, your top four seeds in the AFC, Titans, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, that's going to be an interesting quad. And I don't think outside of Aaron Rodgers, who I'll get to in a moment with uh, with the overall Packers, I'm not sure there's a team you look at and think, oh, this team is flawless. So, big stories there. I just remember, trust your boy when he says he has sources. Uh, I tend to be pretty reliable uh, on those stories. Derrick Henry coming back sooner rather than later. All right, let's talk about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown unleashed a take quake when during the third quarter of the game between the Bucs and uh, the Jets, Antonio Brown took his uniform off, uh, took his pads off, left them on the sideline, then took off his undershirt, walked off the field while there were players still on the field, jumping up in the air and waving at the crowd. There are disputes about what exactly was going on that led to this situation. But let me just tell you this right now. Antonio Brown has been unable to play for John Gruden with the Raiders, for Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, and now for Bruce Arians with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, When you think about those three guys, Mike Tomlin, John Gruden, and Bruce Arians, these are three guys that are incredibly, uh, incredibly easygoing relative to NFL standards when it comes to giving players opportunities. And so this idea that Antonio Brown couldn't make it work with Mike Tomlin, couldn't make it work with John Gruden, couldn't now make it work with Bruce Arians is emblematic of larger issues that Antonio Brown is dealing with, okay? Maybe it's CTE, maybe it's larger mental health issues. I don't know exactly, but All I will say is this. I coach Little League, okay? Have coached Little League basketball, have coached Little League baseball. If any of my players in Little League took off their jerseys 
and went across the field or the court waving to everyone and quit a team during the course of the game, I would have a meeting with those parents and I would ask, what was wrong with that kid? We're talking about young kids, little league in, uh, in baseball or basketball. Antonio Brown's got something wrong with him. Now, on top of that, in the sports media, I talked about this when it happened with Simone Biles in the summer. The standard that we apply for male athletes is very different than the standard that we apply for female athletes. Virtually everyone in sports media, I'm talking about sports media in particular, ripped Antonio Brown to the high heavens as they told you they would when he quit during a game and walked off the field. Now, it's worse, arguably, than Simone Biles because Simone Biles stayed and rooted for her teammates, right? Antonio Brown is worse because he actually left the sideline and left his team and went ahead and evidently hopped in an Uber and took a flight and, and bailed on the entire team. So if Antonio Brown's injured and he stays on the sideline with his team and he cheers them on, that's standard behavior. But it is interesting to contemplate how much different the treatment is. No one said that Antonio Brown was courageous. No one said that he was a hero. That's what they tried to sell us on Simone Biles. So I think it's worth at least contemplating the way that we treat athletes, whether they are male or female. And sometimes, this is what gets all my critics so riled up. I treat everyone the same. White, black, male, female, Asian, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. I hold everyone to the same standard. That's called consistency, okay? I hope Antonio Brown gets the help that he needs, but I don't understand how any other team can sign him because he has failed with Bruce Arians, he's failed with Mike Tomlin, and he now has failed with John Gruden as well. All three of those are players, coaches. If you can't make it work with them, you're not going to make it work anywhere. Uh, Do you see AOC? Speaking of failing, Do you see AOC down in Miami without a mask? Um, She deserved to be called out for the hypocrisy. Two-year-olds in AOC's congressional district are required to wear masks right now in preschool. AOC took a vacation to Miami and she didn't wear a mask anywhere while she was there. And then when she got criticized for this, she came out and said that this was a function of sexual frustration from Republicans. This is really weird, okay? Really weird response. Let me just say this right off the top. From now on, anytime anybody has an issue with any of my opinions, I'm going to say the same thing that AOC said. The reason why people don't like me is because they're sexually frustrated over my raw sexual charisma and they can't handle it themselves. So anybody out there watching right now who criticizes any opinion of mine, who criticizes any action of mine, I'm sorry that you can't handle this raw, alpha male sexual charisma that I am putting out into the universe. That's clearly what's going on anytime anybody has an issue with me. Deal with the fact that really what you're letting everybody know is that you can't handle the raw sexual charisma that I am bringing to bear on a day-to-day basis. Larger context. Now, that's obviously sarcasm. Let's get real here. How conceited do you have to be to believe that the reason why people are criticizing you is because of your looks? First of all, AOC is good-looking 
for a congressperson, for a politician. But the standards are relatively low for politicians to be good looking. And again, like I would be a good looking politician. I'm a solid six and a half or seven for 42 year old dads of three. That's about where I would rank myself. I'd be really good looking for a politician, all right? Politicians are not known for their incredibly good looking nature. But for a 33-year-old who is a celebrity in Hollywood or even on Instagram, AOC's not even that hot. She's good looking for a politician. She's not that hot for a normal smoking hot person, right? Like she's not a model. She's not an actress. If people, if she were out in Hollywood, people wouldn't be like, oh my God, you know who's the best looking person in all of Hollywood? AOC. No, it's incredibly conceited. And the fact that this was even allowed to be offered as a defense and no one, by and large, stood up and said, hey, it's a little bit ridiculous. AOC, the reason why you're being criticized is because you're saying that masks are important and mask mandates need to exist and then you immediately flee your own home district where I might continue to emphasize two-year-olds, two-year-olds, are required to wear masks, and then you move down to Miami and you completely abandon wearing a mask. That's hypocrisy. We should call people in prominent positions in the public sphere out when they are being blatant hypocrites. That's the job of an honest media. The fact that so many people are refusing to do it is evidence of how little of an honest media we actually have in that larger context. All right? Now, uh, I got a bunch more I want to get to. COVID, unfortunately, at all-time highs. Twitter has suspended another conservative voice. Matt Corral's injury and the take quake that that unleashed. Uh, and also, what people are going to have to deal with as they vote for Aaron Rodgers to be MVP. But I want to tell you right now, if you watch the stock market every day, it can be very nerve-wracking, especially if you recognize, as I do, that we're near all-time highs as 2022 begins. That's why a lot of people are deciding to put their assets into a variety of different asset classes. And one of those that you can help to build your portfolio through is artwork. And a lot of people out there think, oh, well, artwork costs way too much in order for me to be able to invest. That's not true. In fact, there is a great company, masterworks.art, that allows you to invest in fractional ownership of artwork. You can get hooked up with Masterworks. All you have to do and I looked into this. This is a phenomenal idea. Go to masterworks.art slash outkick. That's masterworks.art slash outkick. And you can get hooked up priority checkout for all of their new offers. And again, I'm not an art expert, but I know that many of the most wealthy people in the entire country are deciding to invest in art. And you can now do the same as them by owning a fractional part of a Picasso, of a Banksy, whoever you are interested in, get hooked up today at masterworks.art slash outkick. That's masterworks.art slash outkick. It's unfortunate, but your boy told you this was going to happen, okay? People get mad at me because I look at the data and I make logical, rational arguments about what that data tells us. That's what I've been doing basically ever since this COVID insanity began. And if you looked at the data coming out of people who were getting vaccinated and you looked at Israel and you looked at England, 
you could easily see what was taking place. And you've seen the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL have to all adjust their COVID policy because despite a 97% rate of COVID uh, vaccination in the NBA, 95% in the NFL, some of you may have seen me write about this in the Wall Street Journal, and nearly 100% rate in the NHL, COVID cases have skyrocketed to all-time highs. And COVID cases have skyrocketed to all-time highs all over the country, including right now, all-time highs in New York City and in Los Angeles, the two biggest cities in this country. That's despite the fact that New York and LA have COVID vaccine mandates and they have COVID mask requirements. Why are we seeing a new surge? Because masks don't work, especially cloth masks, and also because the COVID vaccine provides limited protection for a relatively short period of time, which is why they're talking about boosters thirds here in the United States, but we're already on fourth boosters in uh, Israel, what they are starting to recommend, okay? So what is the solution here? Well, first of all, we're fortunate that Omicron appears to be less virulent than Delta and therefore is actually going to get us more herd immunity with less risk in a more rapid fashion. That's what the data says right now, okay? That could change going forward, but fortunately, that's what the data appears to be showing right now. What we need to do is keep everything open. Kids need to be in school. Everybody needs to be going to work. Uh, You saw the CDC come out during the holidays and out of nowhere, just decide that now you need to only quarantine for five days as opposed to 10 days. Why did they do that? It wasn't science-based. It was because they are so terrified of the number of people that are not going to be able to work that we're effectively going to have to shut down a lot of different places. And some of you who traveled for the holidays know what I'm talking about. My flight back from Florida yesterday was delayed by three hours, and I was just happy that we were able to get on the plane and that it took off because there are so many pilots and so many flight attendants who have tested positive for Omicron that they're not able to run at full capacity. Same thing happening in hospitals, restaurants, schools, everywhere, okay? Because this virus is spreading and we're setting all-time highs. Important to note, Joe Biden ran his entire presidential campaign basically in 2020 on the idea that he would take COVID seriously and he would solve everything. No more Uh, impotent of a picture that I have seen or video going all the way back to Mike Dukakis in the uh, tank. Joe Biden masked with his wife and his dog on the beach outdoors in Delaware. I would run that as a part of every ad in 2022. Joe Biden pledged that he was going to end COVID. Instead, as we begin 2022, COVID is raging at all-time highs and probably is going to continue to increase in the days and the weeks ahead rather than decrease. Certainly, it's not being solved. So, as you break that down, it's important to recognize what's going on right now, uh, where we are. We were told several things that are not true. Masks work, mostly untrue. We were told that if you got the COVID vaccine, it would prevent you from getting or spreading COVID. Not true. What we are now being told is If you get the COVID vaccine, it will provide some limited benefit uh, before you have to now get another booster and then maybe another booster and a booster into the future. This is what I've been telling you was coming based on looking at the data for a long time. The reality is pretty clear here. The COVID vaccine 
is not really a traditional vaccine at all. It is a therapeutic that lessens the overall impact, particularly for old and obese people who remain the people that are most at risk from COVID, old and obese. From the moments back in like May of last year, we've known who was actually at risk instead of mandating lockdowns and shutting down all the gyms and shutting down all the public parks and all the beaches. If we were going to mandate anything, instead of the COVID vaccine, we should have mandated exercise because that was the number one way to actually make yourself safer if you looked at the data. And that's why your boy here is such a physically perfect approximation of that. How do you think I end up looking as sterling as I do because I'm working out and making sure that my body is in perfect shape. Uh, all right, let's talk about Twitter suspensions for a minute. I asked this question on uh, Twitter yesterday. I said, has Twitter ever suspended a left winger for spreading misinformation? There's all sorts of misinformation that has been spread. Russia collusion, Rachel Maddow, was a lie. Five years she spent on it. Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, remember when uh, Jen Psaki came out and said, oh, this is Russian disinformation, it's not real. The laptop is all real. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, sexual assaults, Supreme Court. Peers, they were all lies. Certainly most of them were lies. Uh, Jussie Smollett uh, and the lynching that happened to him, total lie. Hands up, don't shoot, total lie. We have been suffused in lies, deluged with lies on social media that are left-wing in origin. Has anybody ever been suspended from Twitter for left-wing lies? Of course not. Look, I am a free speech absolutist. I went on CNN and got banned for life by saying I believe in only two things, the First Amendment and boobs, all right? It's a fun line, but what it represents is a complete bear hug on the marketplace of ideas. I believe in everyone's ability to speak, and I also believe the best way to cure speech that is wrong-headed is to allow more speech. Think about things that have been proven to be complete disasters in our country. Defund the police. Remember when you were not allowed to say that you supported police by and large, you were getting shouted down? Remember when BLM, it was impossible to say, hey, you know what? The BLM movement is a Marxist front and it actually opposes many of the things that are most helpful uh, to people of all races in the United States. Like the nuclear family is a good thing. Having a mom and dad at home is a great thing if you look historically uh, at what the outcomes are for children. These are not complicated situations, okay? And so we were forced, and then you couldn't say, remember, you couldn't say that COVID likely originated from a Chinese lab. That was racist. You couldn't even say that China originated uh, from, uh, that COVID originated from China. You weren't allowed to say that masks likely were providing no benefit. You weren't allowed to say that your kids shouldn't be wearing masks in school. All of these things we were told would lead to grandmas dying and they were unacceptable. You couldn't ask any questions about the COVID vaccine even as all of the COVID vaccine data crumbled in terms of its efficacy, you weren't allowed to ask legitimate questions based on scientific reality. And so why is it that Twitter is creating a world where they only suspend people with conservative views? I'm not even saying conservative in the traditional context. I'm just saying not left-wing views. And what I have to tell you is this, and I'm a Twitter shareholder. 
and I've supported the company over the years. If Twitter becomes an echo chamber where only people from the left wing share ideas and debate, which it is in danger of rapidly spiraling into, it loses all legitimacy. Twitter exists as a viable and interesting medium for the conflict of ideas and for debate to occur. As soon as Twitter further silos itself into a big tech left-wing dominated organization, which happens a little bit more every day and with every decision, whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene or Donald Trump, when you still allow the Taliban to have a Twitter account, and when the Ayatollah still has a Twitter account, and the democratically elected president of the United States is not allowed to have a Twitter account at the time, Donald Trump, and when there are Congress people that are not allowed to have Twitter accounts, that is not a furtherance of American democracy. Twitter is failing when it comes to embracing the marketplace of ideas and I believe is making the country far worse as a result. Uh, Matt Corral's injury. There was an absolute take quake that was unleashed when Matt Corral, Ole Miss's quarterback, decided to play in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor and ended up leaving the game with an ankle injury. Now, positive. It does not appear that this ankle injury is very severe. Corral came back out on crutches. It appears that he will be able to recover in time to work out, still likely a first-round draft pick. But let me just say this. I talked about this uh, on Twitter some. Everybody deserves the right to make their own decision because everybody's risk tolerance is different. And this is something that I think connects with COVID and everything else. I think I'm pretty good at analyzing risk. I think the marketplace has reflected that I'm pretty good at analyzing market opportunities and building companies. Uh, I have had a great deal of financial success because of that skill set. But I also recognize that everybody doesn't have the same risk tolerance that I do. That's why there's some people out there that are ecstatic to make $50,000 a year and they would never take a risk to try to make more than $50,000 a year. That's fine, okay? That's your choice. But what I believe we have to do a better job of discussing is the freedom to make choices that are right for you. If you want to wear a mask and you want to stay in your basement and you want to never go outside again, that's your right. But your fears should not take away from my freedoms. And I see that directly connected with the Matt Corral injury. A lot of people would argue that it made no sense for him to play in the Sugar Bowl. That's their right to argue that. That would be their right to make that choice. But Matt Corral can also make the choice to play and it shouldn't impact the choice that anybody else makes. We have to allow these guys the freedom to make their own choices and not turn everything into a national Rorschach test on whether or not it was the right choice for everyone. Matt Corral's a grown adult. It was important to him to play for Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. He got injured. Football comes with a high level of risk. There may be a benefit from some teams who say, I love that he didn't quit on his team. I love everything about Matt Corral deciding to play. There may be other teams that say, hey, you know what? This is just further evidence of how brittle Matt Corral can be. I don't think he can run around like this in the NFL. He's going to end up injured. He's not big, strong, fast enough to be able to have a lot of success in our league. And if that is the argument, 
I certainly can understand that too. It's a great thing about the NFL draft. Everybody looks at every single aspect of every single draft eligible player and they try to project how much success they're going to have at the next level. And then they make a decision based on that, just like Matt Corral can make a decision about whether or not to play. So I think this idea that every single player's decision is somehow a larger referendum on a major issue that should impact me or you or anyone else, my choice can be different than my kids' choices would be. Uh, I think we need to let adults make adult decisions about analyzing their own risk factors and making the decision that's right for them. Final thought. I love the idea of Mike Florio and Peter King curled up in the fetal position when their NFL MVP ballots arrive because they're only two guys that can win the NFL MVP this year. Aaron Rodgers, who I believe should be the vote, or Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers refused to get the COVID vaccine, looked at the data, made his own rational choices. More power to him, by the way. Meanwhile, Tom Brady formerly supported Donald Trump, had a MAGA hat in his locker room. Those are the choices. Peter King is going to be shivering like he's got the Omicron virus. Same thing likely happening with Mike Florio. Those guys are going to have to make a choice between Aaron Rodgers or uh, an anti-COVID vaccine guy or uh, Tom Brady, a Donald Trump supporter. I love it. It is glorious beyond all measure. To me, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this year. I believe the Packers are going to be in the Super Bowl. I tweeted this out. Here are my predictions for 2022. Republicans are going to pick up 30 seats in the House, pick up three seats in the Senate. Ron DeSantis in Florida and Greg Abbott in Texas both win their governorships in the biggest governor races that are going to be taking place by landslides. And the Packers are the new MVP. Uh, I said before the season started that I like the Bills and the Rams in the Super Bowl. Right now, I'm going to shift that to Packers and Titans in the Super Bowl. I think my Titans are going to make it. Uh, and I've got Georgia winning the national championship. I love all of you. My name is Clay Travis. I'll be in all every afternoon next couple of weeks. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This is Outkick the Show. Sign up for the audio version of the podcast if you haven't already. Thank you for all the support of Clay and Buck. 2022 is going to be an amazing year. 2021 was the greatest professional year of my life. Thank you for supporting our sports talk shows. Thank you for supporting Clay and Buck. Thank you for watching me on Fox News and Fox Sports. Thank you for reading OutKick. Thank you for making 2021 the greatest professional year of my life. I hope that 2022 can be either even better for all of our employees, for me, and also for all of you. DBAP, unless you need to ask that.